Hello, everybody. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal. Welcome to another edition of the Justify Your Existence podcast. I'm joined by Ole Miss beat writer Michael Katz, Mississippi State beat writer Stefan Kreishnik. Uh, we're going to catch you guys up on the baseball weekend, some spring football, other things too. Uh, guys, uh, how are y'all today? I'll go ahead. Yeah, no, it was a, it's a good weekend. I, um, you know, obviously watching those those Arkansas games, but I took uh, took Saturday off and went down to New Orleans and watched the final four games. So that was um, really eventful, and, and that Duke-UNC game was awesome. And, you know, it should be a fun game tonight with UNC and Kansas. And, um, you know, baseball starts this week, MLB, that is. Um, you got the NFL draft coming up. It's it's one of the underrated parts of, of the year. Is like this time of April, um, you know, when it comes to sports, it's, it's a pretty fun time. Michael, did you go to the final four? No, uh, Steph, did you hear that? It was Coach K's uh, last game. I don't know. I had, I had no idea. I had no idea until I walked out and some Duke fans were talking about it outside the stadium. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like I, don't, I don't know how many cameras were just dedicated to him, but I think there were more on him than the game. Well, you, you, feel, you feel, you know, real good for the underdog story of uh, North Carolina basketball, right? No, yeah, no. It's, it's nice to see a team that, you know, traditionally never does anything uh, finally get a chance. Against a team like Kansas, another underdog. And you feel bad. You feel bad for the for the lowly school like UConn women's basketball not not getting a chance there to get a national title. Yeah, it's 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 really a tough time to be an underdog. <laughs> the sarcasm needle, man, is like uh, it's it's getting into the red zone here. The sarcasm. <laughs> uh, good to see uh, Final Four basketball in the Superdome, man. I've seen some nice uh, some nice basketball in that venue, uh, including yeah. the. Uh, uh, Michael Jordan, James Worthy uh, against uh, Patrick Ewing game. I was there in uh, whatever year that was. Must have been 82 or 83. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, but I got to school that day, and there was this, uh, this teacher at Denham Springs High School, the, the teacher that everybody loves, and she really interacts well with the students and all that. She was uh, on up in years at that time, so she was an, an older lady even then. But uh, – you know, got to school and, and we had like a, a student government meeting in her room uh, before class. And she said, hey, anybody want to go to the game with me tonight? Uh, you know, my family, they, they went Saturday. They don't want to go back tonight. And, and she had like multiple tickets and she took like uh, four of us down there. And we all watched uh, Michael Jordan and James Worthy and Patrick Ewing. It was, oh, wow. uh, it was pretty cool. So uh, pretty good game to go to. Yeah, and, and yeah, what a game, man. What a semifinal game there with Duke and Carolina. It was uh, really good. I was able to watch, uh, you know, the second half of, uh, of that game. Hey, folks, let's uh, get into why we're here. It's uh, Mississippi State uh, and Ole Miss, and uh, big uh, series for both of them in different ways. Now, now, State showed a pulse finally in game three and took that third game at, at Arkansas. I thought pitching was really uh, – a story for both of these teams this weekend. And, and that was, that was good and bad. Steph, we'll start with you, man. Uh, state starting pitching uh, the first two nights really was poor. Uh, I know Preston Johnson, you can't, it's not fair to compare him right now to Landon Sims, but it seems that in his starts, he's been just okay, maybe bordering toward not okay. And it was not okay against Arkansas in game one. I want to come back to that. While that that was a problem in the first two games starting pitching, 
What a job yesterday by Jackson Fristo on the back end and Brooks Auger uh, before him. I thought Fristo, who's been hit or miss, uh, really uh, validated why Chris Lamonis keeps giving him the ball. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we kind of saw a glimpse of it in that Memphis game. He had three scoreless innings, uh, retired the last nine batters that he faced. So um, that that's a huge sign for Mississippi State if he gets going because um, you mentioned Brooks Auger. Brooks Auger has probably been – the one guy that's been truly consistent and, and strong out of the bullpen, Pico Cone, probably second to him, um, you know, without Stone Simmons there. So it, it was good to see Jackson Fristo definitely, um, you know, step up in some very high leverage situations. Um, he got some help from Luke Hancock on a huge play there. And uh, I believe it was the 11th uh, with two on one out. It looked like it was going to be a base hit to end the game. And Luke Hancock kind of catches a line drive and then uh, throws behind the runner and gets him at second base. So, um, and, and, but, but at the same time, like, you know, we've talked how bad uh, Mississippi State's pitching, uh, specifically the bullpen, has been at times. Well, a lot of that has been because there's been no help from the defense. So it was probably overdue that, that Jackson Fristo, um, you know, got some help from, from his defense there, especially from a guy like Lou Hancock. So, um, no, it's, it's a really good sign for Mississippi State moving forward uh, to have a guy like Fristo. Um, they, they probably still need, you know, someone like a Cam Tuller or just any lefty really uh, to step up as, a, as another option because, um, you know, uh, Chris Simonis likes to, to play those matchups and the analytics of lefties versus lefties in some high leverage situations. So um, that's probably the next step for the bullpen. But but at this point, um, you, you're probably just thrilled that along with Pico Cohen and Brooks Auger, you have um, another guy that appears to maybe be fighting a bit of a group. And then it kind of goes back to, you know, a lot of what, what people saw with Mississippi State last year. It, it, it wasn't really pretty until, you know, late in the season. Um, you know, you think back to the Arkansas season last year, it was kind of just just like this one, where the first two games were ugly in Arkansas's favor. And then, you know, the last game was was a tight game that Arkansas took for the sweep. Um, so even this, in a small sense, is, is a bit of a win for Mississippi State. As bad as things were Friday and Saturday, um, you know, you, you avoid the sweep on the road. It's like, it's like we talked about after that Georgia series. If you win your home series in the SEC and and you don't get swept on the road, you'll be in an all right spot. So at, at four and five, um, you know, Mississippi State's coming home, a big weekend series against LSU coming up. Um, you know, not, now you're really starting to enter that the heart of the SEC, uh, you know, SEC conference play. And, and it's a huge series coming up. And and if you're going to, you know, barely avoid that sweep on the road, you, you got to come back and uh, you got to come back and win this, this series against LSU then. What do you think is next for uh, starting pitching for State? I mean, are – I know they're remaking themselves right now. Again, I mean they're they're adjusting, they're adapting uh, after key pitching uh, injuries. But uh, do you think this rotation sticks? Yeah, uh, it's it's just so hard to tell because I don't really know what the other options are at this point. Like like who you would start, um, you know, unless you wanted, uh, you know, Pico Cone to start getting some more innings. And, and, and Fristo as a starter was kind of what I expected at the start of the season. But I think at this point it's kind of clear that. They want him to be, you know, the, the closer, maybe even, um, you know, late in the bullpen. So it, I, I would say it's the same pieces that stick. You know, I'm still intrigued, and, and I, I've been saying this for a while, the possibility of Kate, Kate Smith moving up to be your Friday guy. I mean, he's easily been your best starter, and, you know, it's it's you have the luxury of him being the Sunday guy, but you probably don't want to be in a situation where you have to have your best arms all going on Sunday in order to avoid a sweep, right? Like, you would rather go out there and compete on a Friday and maybe pull off a Friday win. And then you have Saturday or Sunday to just close out the series. You, you don't, you know, unless you're worrying about the sweep and then you have, you have to win both of those. But 
Um, you know, I'd be interested to see if, if Kate Smith moves into, you know, a bigger starting role like a Friday or Saturday. Um, you know, because if, if, you know, if Parker Stanett and, and Preston Johnson can give you six innings and three runs, get you that quality start on a Saturday or Sunday, you're probably in a pretty good spot. Um, but but those it, it's again, we saw it, um, you know, on that that Friday game against Georgia and now um, the Friday game against um, Arkansas that when those guys top arms are going they're giving you seven or eight innings of, of two run ball of one run ball. And, you know, as good as Preston Johnson is, he has to be great, um, you know, in order to compete with them on Friday sometimes. And, and yeah, at Arkansas, he was really bad, but even in that Georgia game, I mean, he was good, but it still wasn't enough. Right. So yeah, I'd be interested to see if, if Kate Smith is, is, you know, maybe moved into that role, but um, you know, it is a nice luxury to have him on a Sunday too. And, and maybe you just push Parker and, and Preston to get going a little bit, but, it's interesting, and, and Chris Lamonis and, and Coach Foxhall have some have some decisions to make there with what they what, what they want to do with the starting staff. So uh, the Bulldogs salvage a game against Arkansas, number two Arkansas. I mean, it wasn't like that was uh, an easy series uh, by any stretch. I think LSU uh, is beatable. Uh, I think they can be had in Starkville this weekend. Yeah. We'll see. Michael, starting pitching for Ole Miss, man, uh, it looks really different uh, than it did from Tennessee, and I. I think uh, what Tennessee did against Vanderbilt just kind of validates what we all thought, man. Tennessee's pretty good. Tennessee's good. But uh, Dylan DeLucia on Friday, Hunter Elliott, uh, I thought he was good in his first SEC start. And then really Jack Washburn, because to me, they've got to get something out of the transfers. You know, John Gaddis is the starter, the Friday night guy. Okay, that experiment is now complete. But he had two appearances and contributed over the weekend and Washburn goes from a suspect midweek guy who was struggling with walks to a, a solid performance in his first SEC start uh, on the road. What, what did you think of uh, starting pitching this weekend? I mean, it was it was the best it's looked in a while, but, uh, I mean, maybe the best it's looked all season if you're just looking at the consistency, and that was, you know, after that Tennessee series, uh, you know, Mike said he needed – more consistency and needed to get more, more from his guys and that he was going to kind of examine ways to do that. And uh, you know, he, he didn't want to use the term, you know, opener and that kind of thing, but it sounded like it, there were going to be some big changes and that there were going to be a lot of TVAs uh, on, on the pitching matchups. And uh, he made some big changes. And I think what they're doing is they're, they're going to their strengths. I mean, you got to put your guys out there that, you know, it sounds dumb, but it's, you know, there's 27 outs. You just got to put the guys in there that, you know, can piece that together. And maybe it looks like a guy getting three innings here and three innings there and some guy getting two, you know, just two hitters. But, um, you know, they're kind of figuring out ways to do it. And and if that means traditional starters, you know, so be it. Dylan DeLucia was was great, um, as was Washburn, Hunter Elliott. You know, he uh, I think he went four and a third, something like that, and, and was pretty solid there. And uh, and then, you know, you go to your strength, which is, you know, guys like Brandon Johnson on the back end, who I think without question is their best pitcher uh, just in general. He's he's really, really good. But, you know, if you just have him as a closer, he's not always going to be a ton of help because, you know, you're not always going to be in those sorts of situations. But you got to get him out there because he's probably the best arm you have. And so it's kind of piecing things together and. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to look like this, uh, you know, this coming weekend. I, I don't know how with the success that they had, you know, I don't know how you can go back to, 
you know, Gaddis Friday and then Diamond, you know, that that sort of thing when that that has not worked recently. Um, and this did work really well. And then you put guys like Gaddis in, uh, you know, Gaddis, you know, pitched like a, a couple innings here and there and he got them out of some big situations. Uh, you know, Diamond saw uh, a little bit of action, too. I think it's um, I think it was a really good job of, of kind of piecing it together when you kind of know what the strengths are in in your staff and you work towards those. And, um, you know, sometimes it's going to look traditional and sometimes you get some duration out of your guys. And you know, it was Delusia's, I think, first career start. And, uh, you know, it was Washburn's first weekend start. It was Hunter Elliott's second start ever. And and those guys ended up coming through for you. So I think it's it's not the guys that, you know, we were told that we're, we're, we're going to be you know, you kind of the guys you penciled in every weekend, but you know, if these are the guys that are getting you outs and uh, getting you where you want to be, I, I think you got to keep going with it. Cause it, 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 you know, it was, it was, it was always like, it was always like a mystery, like, Oh my gosh, who's going to be the next pitcher to come in. And it was like, you know, there were no traditional sort of roles. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, and especially, you know, when the offense gets going, I think these are the perfect situations where you can get, let guys just kind of pitch and, let them go and see what you have. Yeah, and, you know, I can't imagine that the rotation would be any different this weekend. Who do they have this weekend? Alabama. Alabama, okay. I, I just can't imagine that you would do anything different than you did against Kentucky. And I almost think he made major changes, Mike Bianco did against Kentucky, but um, they were the obvious choices to me. I mean, I, I know DeLucha doesn't have this history – uh, as a starter, but uh, he had pitched really well for distance. He did that against – I thought he had a nice relief outing against Tennessee when Gaddis went so short in the first game. Now, I say that he gave up three home runs, but only gave up four hits. And uh, and he pitched, what, six innings? And and that's – you know, that's three if, – if you're three runs and six innings, I mean, that's, that's going to be a, a competitive start. Then he was – so he was really good in his first outing against Kentucky – and, uh, and Washburn coming in uh, the way he did on the back end on Sunday and then Elliott in his first start. And there was good bullpen work, too. It wasn't like he robbed Peter to pay Paul. So it was uh, an interesting weekend. And I thought uh, uh, Mike Bianco pushed buttons and uh, they responded for him. I'm curious about, uh, as you mentioned here, when this offense gets going, uh, do you have a timetable for that? Is there a date on the calendar when this uh, elite offense gets going? Because – it's been hit or miss, man, with uh, with those guys and all these people returning. And I know they're missing Kevin Graham. He's an important piece. Uh, not sure he would have made a huge difference against Tennessee. And, you know, and so without him, you know, they were able to win at Auburn. They were able to win it at uh, uh, Kentucky. And probably uh, they should beat uh, Alabama, should win the series this weekend. And, and, I, and I said before, it, it's, uh, it's bad not to have Kevin Graham. But if you can win while he's out, that's a pretty intriguing piece to to return to the lineup sometime in April. Yeah, no, it's uh, right now. I think the schedule is the offense shows up like twice a week. I think it's kind of where it is right now. It'll be a midweek game, and then uh, you know once on a weekend. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I think yesterday was important for them because if you just sort of look at when, when the offense is really good, what they do is. They, they have long at bats and they're not swinging at everything and uh, they're making pitchers work. And in the first two games of the series, I think they walked a total of like six times against Kentucky. 
Yesterday, they walked nine times and they were having those lengthy at bats and making guys work and looking for their pitches. And I think when they do that, that's when they're that's when they're uh, that offense that we kind of all expected them to be in. At, at times, they've kind of uh, gotten a little impatient at the plate and, and just sort of, um, you know, swung at things that they normally wouldn't swing at and, and haven't made pitchers work. And, you know. You know, I go, you go back to the Tennessee series and it's like, well, you know, Tennessee is really, really good. We know that. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, their starting pitchers did was they didn't have a lot of really like stressful innings and they were able to go into the seventh like every game because Ole Miss batters weren't making them work. And, uh, you know, yesterday, again, it's Kentucky and it's not Tennessee and I get that, but to see them kind of work at bats, I think was really important because that's when Ole Miss is really, really good. Interesting uh, weekend uh, for both teams. I, I think Steph, it did show that state can, can jump up and snag one, you know, from these better teams, but uh, they got to be a little more consistent. Let's uh, shift gears, talk some spring football a little bit. Uh, Steph, are you, are you guys getting our practices open? Are you seeing much down there or is it just uh everybody coming out and saying how practice, uh, what went on at practice. I always tell people, you know, you, when, when coaches go into the closed practice mode, man, and a lot of times, uh, you know, that could happen at any time. The most important words in a story are, he said, you know, because these, these people are coming out and then they're saying, well, we did da-da-da-da-da-da-da. We, we did all these wonderful things. Well, <laughs> make sure you say, uh, he said, get that attribution in there. Yeah, no, we, we've actually had really good access. It's kind of like um, if you remember Parish from the fall, we, we were able to come to all the practices yeah. um, and then the spring game's coming up now in uh, next weekend, the, the 16th. So, um, you know, it, it's been cool to, to get the access that we have gotten. Um, and, and, you know, Mike Leach has been really good in that sense, um, you know, throughout the fall and then um, now here in the spring. Um, you know, one thing that, that's really stood out to me um, from from getting to watch these practices is, um, and, and I wrote about it over the weekend, the the outside receivers group, you know, they're trying to make up for the loss of Makai Polk, which was, you know, of the uh, well, 500 or so completions that Will Rogers had last year, 100 of them were uh, to Makai Polk. So that, that's a lot of catches that, that you're looking to make up for. Um, and and it, it's a pretty big competition. Steve Spurrier Jr. said that, um, there's the attribution you're looking for um, that, you know, he's not sure if it's going to be one guy that steps up or if it's going to be, you know, a collection of guys that, that step up, um, you know, to, to replace those, um, you know, receptions that you're losing. But, you know, just from watching, there, there are a few guys that, that have potential. And Caleb Duckin is the one guy that you could tell from, you know, Will Rogers and Steve Spurrier constantly pulling him aside that, you know, they want him to take that next step. It's his redshirt senior season. Like, like, you know, this is about his last chance to kind of make that next step that he wanted to make at Mississippi state when he came over from Juco. Um, and he's got the size. I mean, you look at him and you could see why they want him to be good because he's got all the tools physically. And then, um, you know, you look over and, and right next to him is Justin Robertson, the transfer from Georgia, who is just massive. I mean, like, not to, you know, I don't want to compare him to a successful NFL player like DK Metcalf, but like this dude is just huge. And like, you can like look at him and you're like, he, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. So if he, you know, can learn the offense and, and make a quick transa- transition, um, you know, he, he can be a huge piece in this offense, literally and figuratively. And it, it's funny just because 
Um, you know, Steve Spurrier said it's a lot easier to make a pitch to a receiver like Justin Robinson when you can say, hey, we just brought in Makai Polk, you know, from the portal and he was here one season. He broke all the program receiving records and then he left for the NFL draft. Like that's how quick um, you could make an impact in this offense. And even from the non-transfer side, Rob Thomas came in last year as a true freshman and was one of the better seasons or better receivers by the time the season ended. So, um, you know, that's another guy in an outside receiver group and you got two Lou Griffin. So there's a collection of guys there at the outside receiver unit who are really good and just really big, um, you know, bigger than Makai Polk. So, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a good player. There's a lot of big players who never succeeded um, at various levels. Um, but, but from the spring practice side of it, what you see is what you get. And um, right now is, is, you know, we're seeing a lot, um, you know, watching those Mississippi State receivers out there. I know uh, you, you just mentioned a lot of guys there. I, I'm, I'm kind of cheering for Ra Ra because I just like saying Ra Ra. I, I like that. Guy. <laughs> he's but, good too. Yeah. And I didn't... He's, uh, he's a really intriguing athlete who would have contributed more. His numbers, production would have been better last year if not for that injury late in the season. So, yeah. He had that injury at Auburn, which kind of set him back a bit the, the rest of the way. But, um, I, I, you know, I didn't even really realize that until we were talking to Spurrier the other day. He was talking about how much of a raw talent, um, you know, Robert was, was and still needed to teach him the, the receiver position. He didn't start playing football in high school until his junior season. So to go from, you know, his first season of football was three years ago in high school um, to having, you know, what was it? Six of his like 15 catches go for touchdowns last year or something like that. Like it was it's pretty absurd. Um, the jump that he was able to make, um, you know, you would assume that you're bringing him in right away that he'd be a redshirt guy, but no, he came in and, and made some production, you know, immediately for this team. Hey, we know Will Rogers is the guy and there's not a quarterback competition, but what are you seeing development behind him? I mean, who's, who's looking good? Who are they appearing to trust? Because there are some intriguing uh, pieces behind Will Rogers. Yeah, I, I think the guy is Sawyer Robertson, and I think everyone wants that to be Sawyer Robertson. They're they're pushing him a bit to be the back, kind of the backup for this team. I'm going into the season, and and you know he's definitely the more mobile guy, um, you know the the more gifted, you know naturally athletic guy um, than Will Rogers is. Um, but at the same time, I, like you said, I, I don't really think it's a competition at, at this point. Um, now that's not to say that you know Sawyer can't show some improvement, you know, going into the fall and. And if Rodgers doesn't have the season that he had last year and kind of falters a bit, you know, there's definitely going to be some push for Sawyer to, to come in and get some snaps. But um, you would imagine right now that that it's not too much of a competition. But, but Sawyer is definitely the guy. If there is going to be a competition, it's going to be Sawyer. Um, and, and talking to some other guys on the beat, um, you know, yesterday we were talking about that the ceasefire trophy that, that Corral won last year. And I know towards the end of the year, people were pushing for Will Rogers. You'd have to imagine that going into this season um, – you know, Will Rogers will be the favorite to win that award in terms of the best player in the state. Um, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Um, you know, and I'm sure if Jackson Dart does show, you know, the potential that I think people know is there, um, you know, he can obviously make a, make a case for it. But in terms of, you know, who's kind of proven it at the team that they're at, Will Rogers is, is probably, um, you know, the top name kind of being talked about right now in the state. Oh, I, th I think you're right. Will Rogers is a known commodity. It would not be surprising to see Jackson Dart find his way into that conversation or yeah, someone else. Michael, uh, a name I saw in your coverage over the weekend, man, from Ole Miss uh, at running back was Kentrell Bullock. And uh, I think he's a forgotten piece. But, uh, you know, that room was so deep last year uh, with all of those guys. And uh, Bullock 
has looked good in some spring and some other work that I had seen before. Uh, where do you think he is in this running backs picture at Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, it's it's that um, it's that time of year when you always take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt in terms of, you know, who's running with who and whatnot. But uh, and I, I, I'm not surprised to see him getting reps. One, he's a guy who's been there um, and he knows the offense and the other guys who have come in probably aren't quite there yet. Um, so from that, you know, it, it's the same reason that, you know, Luke Altmeyer or it's one of the reasons Luke Altmeyer is, you know, getting, uh, you know, the first reps, not, not to say that it's, you know, not that he's playing well, he's looked very good. Um, but you know, we all think we know how the quarterback competition is, is going to go there. Uh, but, um, you know, but, but with Bullock, I think, like you said, he's a guy who kind of got lost in the fray with all of the talented guys that they had last year. Well, all those guys are gone now. Um, and now he is the veteran in the room because every other running back in there is uh, someone who's never had a carry at Ole Miss. Uh, you've got, you know, Evans and Ulysses Bentley and then Kinshawn Judkins, who is literally like 18 years old and is is, you know, just came to college for the first time uh, as, as an early enrollee. And so um, I think he's going to get his chances. And, and uh, you know, it's again, I think it if you're looking at, you know, how we think it's going to look in a few months. Yeah, I think everybody expects it to be kind of Evans and then Bentley and and, you know, other guys getting carries here and there after that. But uh, I, I think for right now, and maybe as this thing sort of progresses, Bullock is is, is going to get a shot because he's a guy who's who's been in the room. And I think there is something to be said for that. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. For Stefan Kreishnick and Michael Katz, I am Parrish Alford. Thanks for joining us.